0: In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable stars. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as The Binary Saga. Log Entry
1: Haimovina 81 2386 Age of Enlightenment Hey Jason, are you trying to make me cry? You named your new Skiff Astra? Oh, Jason, I'm so incredibly touched. Thank you. I know she will be honored. And it's such a beautiful Skiff that I think you're making Andy jealous. He keeps saying that he wants to upgrade to Soulful Girl. And now you've given Lord Competition the justification he's been looking for. <laughs> you guys make me laugh. I enjoyed hearing about Erin's school days and how you got to tour her old stomping grounds. I like knowing that she was a bit of a risk taker as a kid. She sounds like you. (laughs) The more I hear about Erin, it's hard not to adore her. And I'm glad you're back from traveling for a little while. Being away from your partner is the worst, and I understand that more than most people. Until the girls were born, I often felt like Andy and I were in a perpetual long-distance relationship. We never spent more than six months together in a single stretch. We made it work, but we hated it because sending video messages and talking on a screen isn't like being together every night and waking up every morning next to them. Hopefully, on your next longer work trip, she can accompany you. It would be even better if you came out to us. (laughs) Of course, I have that VSA graduation picture of you. See, it's in the frame behind me. I sometimes think about when we were the only ones in the entire universe who understood us. You know, in some ways, that hasn't changed. We will always be those kids. I also tell the girls, at the end of the day, if you can't talk to me or daddy, Uncle Jason will listen. They are still so little, but I think Astra's beginning to understand. Which brings me to say, I'm very sorry talking so much about the girls and not realizing how it may affect your feelings. That was very insensitive of me. I get so wrapped up in my own mommy world that I forget other people's situations. I see it in Mari and Kai's faces when they're holding the girls. They say they're happy to wait, but I can tell that they want children of their own too. I don't know if it's my place to say, but have you spoken to your mom about how you're feeling? She is a senior member of the council. Can't she do something about that ridiculous law? Personally, I've never understood why you were barred from having children in the first place. It was cruel to take the choice away from you when you had nothing to do with the situation. Besides, your parents loved each other. They wanted you. And now that the population control isn't a factor and the Velens are colonizing Fenora, why does it matter if you have children? In Haimovina culture, your birth would have been celebrated. In fact, it's considered a good omen if a couple is already expecting a child on their wedding day, or if they conceive a child on their wedding night. It means Linnea blesses your union. Grandma Iria likes to tell everyone about her blessed twins, because she was pregnant with my mom and Helgi when she and Lars got married. I feel very fortunate to have become a parent, especially so young. And if that's something you really want, you should have the option. Of course, I would love for you to experience the joy of having your child smile at you and tell them that they love you. And I know you would be an amazing father. Andy tells me every day that being a daddy It's the best job he never knew he wanted. And when I see him with our girls, I just fall in love with him all over again. But if you're not able to, you can be in so many children's lives with Pei and my girls. And maybe one day you can come out and play with these cuties. I know Astra would want to show off her swimming skills to you. Well, we have super big news. No, I'm not pregnant. (laughs) Bite your tongue. Three is enough. (laughs) Not long after our last transmission, Andy got a new job. He's officially Lord Anduin Vinstrasse, head of House Vinstrasse. Andy has been working on the sidelines with the Vinstrasse board for a while, because Raythea has botched several projects, and the board couldn't justify her actions to their shareholders. When the board spoke to her, Raythea agreed with them that she made a mistake, and Andy should return to the corporation as head of House She told us that Astra's Vendari ceremony led to a long series of discussions with Elena Laurelin. Raythea admitted that she never felt comfortable running a corporation, and should have put Andy in charge after Alora died. According to Alora's journals, that's what Alora wanted too. And in hindsight, Raythea said that she could have reached out to Alora's friends, Octavia, or Kristen, or even Bjorn, to mentor Andy, and she regretted her decision. After the vote, I brought the girls to the compound. She hugged them all and said this was better, because she really just wanted to be grandma right now. Raythea even apologized to Janine, which was a bit of a shock. When Janine and Rune came to the compound a week ago, she asked to speak with Janine, with Andy. They had a long conversation, and she apologized for not realizing that all Janine wanted to do as a teenager was to help a scared little kid and not undermine a mother's love. Raythea said that she lost her father at a young age, too, and she never got over it. Andy said that Janine didn't say anything, but then reached for Raythea's hand and just said, thank you. So, um, I hear you make really good apple turnovers. <laughs> Raythea apparently laughed and they hugged. I keep wondering what Elena said to Raythea, because this was some real gross maybe becoming a grandparent and seeing the deep friendships her kids have developed, and an outside perspective made her look inward. I'll take it. I like it when my family gets along. <laughs> the House Summit was also held this year, but it was on a landra, in the House Chambers, instead of Heimavina. Bjorn was selected as House Arbiter and was thrilled to welcome Andy as the new head of House Finstrasse during the opening ceremony. After Andy cut his hand, it was incredibly touching to watch Bjorn and my dad hugged Andy. And then Janine stood up and said, let's hear it for Lord Perfect. <laughs> the entire gallery erupted in laughter and applause. Andy goofily bowed and that really set the tone for the rest of the summit. There were no champas, no arrests and no drama. It was like they usually are on heimavina jovial and fun. Helgi made everyone move the tables to the walls and called for the entire gallery to come down to the floor. And then he and my mom led everyone in old drinking songs. Andy still sails with Team Barbarian, but now he's on the practice team. He didn't want to give it up completely now that he's head of house, and neither did the team. His final race last season was bittersweet. I know he misses it every day, but at least he can still be out there with them during some practices. For this upcoming season, the interplanetary racing teams are moving to 79-foot foiling segments. They're beautiful and simply scream across the water Andy thinks you would really love them. Max, Andy, and the crew have been training on them for months now and Rune actually joined them to write about the experience firsthand. Janine and I were in the clubhouse after his first experience out on the water with the team. He came in grinning from ear to ear and said the ride was fierce, scary, and that he couldn't wait to get back out there. Lars also joined Interplanetary Racing as a consultant and coach. The new segvets are not his design, but he upgraded the rigging with automatic winches and reinforced the foils to withstand the force of the brengard winds. Andy said that Lars has been a great coach, and most of the team is from Haimavena, so Lars is a bit of an idol to them. <laughs> well, the initial Velen Empire trade talks took almost half a year to hammer something out. But I think what was sent to Vella is promising considering the uphill battle we had with the trade minister, Gustav Mortensen. I have no idea how Mortensen ties his shoes without an aide to help him. After three months of pointless negotiations, a few of us Haim including Daya Yalin, several of my staffers, Jeremy, the Hoxha deputy director, and Vera's chief of staff, went to a bar to try to brainstorm ideas that Mortensen would agree to. Four bottles of vin later, we were nowhere other than slightly drunk, we had been working off Oli Hoffman's advice to convince Mortensen our ideas were his, but it was not working. And then Jeremy said, you know, I actually have the perfect person for this. He's one of our lobbyists and he's a great negotiator. Let me call him. An hour later, Harek came into the bar and sat at our table. Yes, Harek, my ex. He smiled sheepishly at me, while I cracked my knuckles and mumbled an ancient to myself. Daya smiled and asked an ancient, so why is he a Kasipa? I had no idea. She spoke ancient, but I quickly filled her in on Harik. She shot Harik a disgusted look. And in that moment, Daya and I had a mutual enemy. We hated more than each other. (laughs) Annoyingly, Harik had some good ideas during the negotiations. Mortensen turned to him for advice. The plan worked, and any time the Ghanameans tried to downplay the benefits of trading with Vella, Hark was there to rein them in. After the finalized deal was sent to Vela, the delegation had a little reception on the Samcoma balcony. I grudgingly, but politely told Hark that he had done a good job. But before he could respond, Daya walked up to him and said, one good deed, does not redeem you, Harik. I'm going to make sure the old families know that you started that vile 21 Peaks challenge. <laughs> Daya and I retreat to the house library, where we knew he was not allowed to follow. He hurt a lot of people with that challenge. And until I get a heartfelt apology, I'm not forgiving him. <laughs> In more fun news, I finally got to go to Founder's Day on Veyron. All the Lithium planets have a version of Founders Day, which celebrates the day the planet officially joined the Empire. Each planet has unique traditions, and the largest cities usually hold official events. I've been to Alondra's Founders Day, and it was lovely. Residents of Brengar usually grab blankets and find a good spot at the Samcoma Memorial Park to watch the fireworks. This year, Founders Day on Viron was especially extravagant because the planet celebrated its trimillennial jubilee. Much like the Mirror Light Festival on Haimavina, the waterfront and several of the large boulevards in Tallina were only open for foot traffic. Vendors, food and drink stalls, open areas to have picnics, and amusement rides were all set up and completely free to the public. The city also built a floating main stage between a few piers, and each night, well-known Veronian bands would play. On Saturday night, Oli Hoffman started the evening with a speech. I've never actually seen Oli give a speech outside of the Samcoma, where he normally gives standard policy speeches. But this was a different Oli. Speaking to his planet, I saw why he was elected. Oli spoke eloquently of Viron's early history as a penal colony, and how his own ancestors were sent to Viron as punishment for their crimes. He spoke movingly, of Viron's rebirth, something its citizens hoped their Yothian forebears would have been proud of. He welcomed all the Hymavenians who have made Viron their new home, and pointed to the vision of Viron's earliest settlers, now complete. I watched the crowd as much as I watched Oli, and I saw pride in their senior minister. After he finished his speech, I caught myself wiping my eyes. <laughs> the evening's house a famous Veronian vid star, came on stage and said, Thank you, Minister Hoffman. Your words always move me. And if you're not busy later. And the crowd laughed as Oli held up his hand terminal and pointed at himself. <laughs> and then she introduced the Veronian band, Takoa, And the crowd went wild. A little backstory on Takoa. Last summer, we were all together for Dog brunch at Sonnet and Erico's place, when Janine and Rune arrived with the announcement for the Jubilee concert lineup. As Janine read which bands would be playing, Bjorn and Sonnet pointed at each other and started to dance around and sing while playing air guitar. I looked at my parents, who were equally shocked. We all started laughing because this was a side of Bjorn and Sonnet none of us knew. They explained that they were obsessed with Takoa's music as teenagers and begged their parents for concert tickets. Bjorn apparently used to tease and braid his long hair and shave the sides of his head like the lead singer, Kevin. Sonnet showed us her hoof floor of Takoa's runes on her ankle. As they continued to excitedly talk about the band, Andy, Sonnet's kids, and Bjorn's daughters all proclaimed that Takoa was old people's music. Bjorn and Sonnet argued that Takoa remains one of the most influential rock bands in the Empire, and almost every Elithian rock musician attributes their influences back to them. My mom said that was true, and that she liked them as well. And Sonnet declared that Kai and I would be the tiebreakers, because if we liked Takoa, it proved their point that Takoa was not old, but timeless. Bjorn and Sonnet had a sidebar conversation to decide which song they would present as their evidence. Once selected, Bjorn cranked up the music. Kai and I just looked at each other and bobbed our heads to the music and agreed with Sonnet and Bjorn. Andy objected, claiming that we were biased because we grew up with a rock musician. I attached a picture that Nikolai secretly sent me of Bjorn and Sonnet from their Tacoa years. Andy and I are keeping this little gem for the next Vonlik Boog. <laughs> so, back to Founder's Day. When Takoa took the stage, all of the lights were turned off, and in the hushed silence, we heard a melody whistled by someone on stage. The audience mirrored the whistle, and the sound of drums matched with the bass line swelled, and the crowd went wild as the lights came on and pyrotechnics shot from the sides of the stage. Kevin, the lead singer, was standing in front of what looked like a curtain of fire as the guitars joined in. I have seen a lot of concerts in my time, but Takoa puts on an amazing show, and I can totally see how a teenager would be mesmerized by them. It was fun to watch Bjorn and Sonnet sing every song and rock out. Our girls were there too, wearing protective ear covers like Kai and I used to wear at my mom's concerts. Even Andy admitted that they were good, and I caught him with Astra on his shoulders, tapping the beat on her leg while she played air drums. <laughs> I have attached a couple of Tacoa's albums for you. I think you're gonna like them. Well, we didn't move into that house that Andy found. It turned out that it needed a lot of work, so we're still looking. We spent the entire summer on the Venstrassa compound, and it was really great to be back with all of Andy's family. The girls loved all the attention. Andy's brothers are the bass uncles, playing in the pool with the girls on their shoulders, and you should have seen the sand castles they built with Astra. She mostly just carried empty buckets around while Callista and Ragna sat with me and Andy under a big umbrella giggling. Eventually, Astra would get bored and nap on her daddy. <laughs> They're so cute together. <laughs> Love Always CJ, age 51.
2: Log Entry, Haimavina, 81-2. 2386, Age of Enlightenment. Jason, it's Janine Laurelin. I'm sorry you're meeting me for the first time this way, but something really terrible happened. I know Cicela recently messaged you, but Andy died a few nights ago. It happened during a Team Barbarian practice session on the new Segbits, Everything was going perfectly fine, but a freak gust of wind caught the sail wings just right and caused the Segbit to pitch pole. Capsizing one of those large Segbits at speed is dangerous for everyone on board, no matter what. Several of the crew were injured, but... Andy got trapped under the Segbit. Rune and a few others managed to rescue him, but he'd already been under the water for too long. Cicela's grandfather Lars started rescue-breathing on the chase boat, And the paramedical team tried reviving him for over 20 minutes, but they just couldn't bring him back. The officials say Andy was probably knocked unconscious before actually drowning, so he didn't suffer. Rune said everything happened so fast. When he came up for air after the but capsized, everyone was scrambling to get out of the icy water. It really wasn't anyone's fault, just... Brenguard's winds were showing their mighty, unforgiving strength. I was with Cicela when he was pronounced dead. I held her as she sobbed. I watched her hug and kiss Andy's body one last time. I was with her when she returned to the Venstrasse compound to tell his family and collect the girls. Raythea collapsed when we told her. Cicela just kept hugging Andy's family and trying to comfort them, but I could tell she was falling apart. Of course... We're all still in shock. Andy was a little brother to me. Even when he was really little, I I just always felt I needed to protect him from his nightmares. And I finally felt like I got him back. I just keep thinking about those little girls. I've been there. I know what it's like to lose a parent. I know the twins are confused, but Astra knows her daddy isn't coming home. And it's just heartbreaking every time she calls out for him. Cecella and the girls are staying at her Uncle Helgi and Aunt Juniper's place on Alandra right now. She hasn't cried since she kissed Andy goodbye. I can tell she's trying to be strong for the girls, but I know she hasn't really slept. My dad was the same way when my mom... died. My dad and her parents have been helping take care of the girls, but last night I caught my dad crying on the floor, leaning against a hallway wall. I don't think I've seen my dad cry like that in years. He said he feels like he lost my baby brother all over again. And he doesn't understand why Linnea keeps taking away the people he loves. The rest of Cecelia's family is arriving later today from Haimavina, and the funeral is tomorrow. I don't know how any of us are going to get through this. Andy was just a bright, loving person. He lit up every room he walked into. He would go out of his way to make everyone smile with his stupid jokes and his sweet generosity. He was really a good person. (sighs) Hold on to Erin tight tonight and cherish the moments with her. I know you don't believe in Linnea, but if you do believe in your feelstone, send Cecella love. She's going to need strength. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't, um, I don't know. I just thought you should know. Janine, age 62.
0: Log Entry, Vela 82, Part 1. Vela Rotat 2706, Cycle 8 of the Sixth Annual. My dear little Astra. Hey, hey there, little one. I know you weren't expecting to hear from your Uncle Jason, but I wanted to send you a personal message, because I know that there are a lot of very confusing things happening in your life right now. It may have been a little while since it all started, and I'm sorry that I couldn't get this to you sooner. While we are working a lot to change the laws of space and time, we haven't quite mastered it just yet. I am sure that you have had every type of conversation about what has happened for the last Rotat, well, I guess you would say year. We say Rotat here because it's a full rotation of my planet around our star, Von La. I hope that this conversation will be different. You see, in a small way, I understand what happened First Web because, like you, I also lost my father when I was very young. You probably heard others tell you that they're sorry for your loss, or that time heals all wounds, and that your father is in a better place now. While there are many that believe that to be true, they might be saying it to you to help them cope with the grief and loss that they are feeling. What you need to remember is that every single person you will meet deals with loss in different ways, and that's okay. There is someone in your family that is probably baking lots of food for others, and another who might be burying themselves in work so that they are distracted from the feelings that they are having. Yet another may be lashing out in anger at everyone around them because the person that they loved has been ripped away from them. No matter how anyone decides to deal with the grief that they are feeling, at the end of it all is acceptance. And that's what I wanted to talk with you about how you work through acceptance of your loss is important to how you move forward with your life. I spent so much of my own life dealing with the loss of both my father and my natural mother, that in many ways, it defined my personality. It drove me to accomplish great things, but it also held me back from experiencing great things as well. You see, even though I was very young when they were taken from me, I still remember the absence of them. In some ways, I even blamed them for feelings that I was having. I spent so much energy on believing that they didn't want me or that they left me on purpose, that I missed out on all of the good that they did and the love that they had for me. It's hard to come to grips with these emotions when you're so young but it's even harder to accept them when you're older so my advice to you is feel all of those emotions to help you get through the loss that you have experienced get angry yell at the stars focus on a project and pour your heart and soul into it even learn how to bake something for someone else when you're ready sit down And think about all of the good that your father brought into your life. Remember how he would take you out on his segbat. And it was just the two of you with the whole world laid out in front of you with endless possibilities. Know in your heart that with every fiber of his being, he loved you more than the universe could measure. Take that love that he had for you and give it to others. Tell others his story because it has now become your story. Everything that made him special to you is now inside you for you to share. If you do that, he will always be with you, and he never left you at all. I would tell you that I will always be there for you should you need to talk, but I can't promise that. What I will promise you is that our stories are also intertwined and that as long as you remember those in your life that are special to you, they will be there for you when you need them. May the waves guide you. Jason Log Entry Vela 82 Part 2 Vela Rotat 2607 Cycle 8 of the 6th Anul Dear CJ, I don't even have words I can express in either of our languages for how to convey my deepest condolences. I'm sure that this comes to you far too late in your grieving cycle because of the damn time lag we experience. I wasn't even sure about sending something back as soon as I heard because I just didn't know what to say. We were all shocked. I wrote my earlier message for Astra because that's where my heart went first. Your poor children, so young and to have something like this happen to them. I felt it in my core and knew that I wanted to speak to them as much as I did to you. I know that Astra is only three of your years old, so I will leave it to you if you want to read this message to her or... Wait until you feel she needs it. These were words that I wish someone had said to me when I was struggling with the loss of my father. I think we both know that sometimes there are words that are said for more than one ear, if you know what I mean. It would be silly to think that you were not aware of my original feelings towards Andy. When you first brought him up, I thought that he had some secret ulterior motive for trying to get close to you, and was working against Haimovina for the Elithians. I was young and jealous. He could be there, and even travel to and from his fanciful planet, or talk to you without having to wait so long for a response. He was all of the things for you that I had wanted to be back then. So, yeah, I kind of hated him for that. And then I found out what his real motive was, And it took me far too many rotats to figure it all out. He wanted a family and someone who really understood his lifestyle and the hardships that he'd experienced early on. He found that in you. And even though it took a while to happen, he also got that in the form of a brother on a different planet. It may have taken far too long, but eventually, I really started to see Andy for who he was And he became less of an object of a young, jealous rage and more of a true friend who knew what it was like to grow up with trauma, to love someone at a distance and to experience the best parts of life. I started to see so many similarities between myself and Andy that it began to feel like there was a part of me there with you through him. He cared for you as much as I did. It's not hard to imagine that sort of bond growing out of adversity. Just look at Javi. When we first met in early classes, we both fought. It wasn't until so many Rotats later that we grew into the friendship that we have now. Sometimes people can change if they have the initiative enough to be able to see things from different points of view. Andy was an Elithian that was used to his status and station on Elandra. And then he came to Haimavina and met someone who changed his entire point of view. He saw your planet through your eyes and experienced life in a whole new way. It wasn't long after Janine's message came that the news of Andy's accident hit the wideband. I told Mom, Aaron, and Javi immediately, and we dropped everything and took an extended cycle break to set out on the Astra. We wanted to hold our own ceremony for Andy, and get away from any potential reporters that may try to hound us for information. Going out north of CNR seemed like the best way to accomplish both. We gave Mom the larger cabin, and we all spent the next few cycles talking and working through the loss that we felt. Of course, I know that most of what they were saying and doing was for my benefit, as they really didn't know Andy except from the few messages that came through about him from friends and colleagues. We sailed out towards one of the traditional funeral areas and put together a small folau just large enough to carry a few photos and some mementos. Typically, we would put in items that either belonged to the departed or meant something to them, but since he wasn't ever here, we didn't have much. There was a brief moment, when we were trying to think of things to add to the Folau, when Aaron pointed to Javi's and my wrists. We looked down at the watches that Andy had given us, and then went wide-eyed and looked at each other. Aaron started to laugh and told us that she was only kidding. She mentioned that even Andy would be appalled if we sent those off to the deep of the ocean, even though they would probably still work down there. (laughs) We put everything we had and set the Folau off on its journey as we spoke the names of Andy's school. I hoped that he would be okay with me adding my name to that list. When we were done, we slowly sailed back to CNR, and by then, the news had hit. Keep in mind that the majority of Velen news coverage doesn't tend to lend itself to all of the ins and outs of Haimovina events. Sure, there were a few reporters waiting for us at the port, and they asked the usual questions like, how is your school holding up, and had I heard from CJ? Both of which I replied with a firm, none of your business. No, the real reason we were trying to get away and avoid interaction was... the housters. You remember how I told you of the groups of nearly fanatical house followers here on Vela? Not nearly as crazy as the ancient worshippers, but pretty close. Well, some of the local members were already camped out near the transit streams by our flat, waiting for us to return. All of them begging for more information on what happened and wanting to know if I would be flying off to Haimavina to console you. Aaron stepped between me and the nearest houster and proceeded to explain that while both of us would love nothing more than to be there with our friend in a time of need, it was not yet possible. She looked back at me and winked before turning back to the crazies and said, Besides, I believe that CJ and I would make a far better couple. This nearly caused an outraged panic to break out, and we quickly ducked towards the building and inside. I took her arm and said, You're probably going to regret that. Ugh. Here I am dredging up the past when I know that you're already, have already gone through so much. What you need is a good old-fashioned distraction. So how about we talk about some other things? Let's see. For the past few renewals, I've been back on what we're calling moon duty. It's mostly a few rotations of pilots and commanders running missions either from Chona to Chone or from Vela to either of the moons. There's a lot of new research going on up there that is a little over my head, but it looks like they have made some pretty serious discoveries. Do you remember Navi? She was the girl that I met on my recovery rotation a long time ago. Well, she is now heading up the geological research station on Chona, and her team was responsible for finding an interesting mountain range that was almost identical to one on Chone. So much so that they did a satellite rendering of both areas and found that they actually match. The current hypothesis is that multiple thousands of rotats ago, both moons actually used to be a single moon. There are lots of stories and myths that mention a time when Vela used to have only one moon. But they were just that, myths. Stories that were handed down through generations, long before even written language. I think I remember an old children's story about this, but I'll have to dig around and see if I can find it. I couldn't find anything in any of the historical books that we have. Tell me some more about these trade talks that you were involved in. Did I catch that you said that Harik was actually involved in them? That guy is like a really bad sin, always turning up when you least expect him, and not always for the good. It's amazing that he actually did something nice and possibly beneficial for a change. I asked mom if she had seen any of the information that was sent over, and she said that it was still being reviewed by the trade committee, and that it wouldn't be at her level for a while still. But that the initial reports she has heard about were promising, and it looks like there may be some movement soon. With any luck, there may be some missions out to Tenga Station. I'm keeping an eye on the mission board so I can sign up for any that may pop up. I guess that maybe Harik is trying for his own redemption in helping out. Remember what I said about Hobby. When things started out, we didn't get along at all. He even was responsible for my changing classes early on. And yet, now we are like brothers. Now, I'm not saying that you and Harik are going to end up the same. But look how you and Daya are interacting now. The two of you used to be at each other's throats. Sometimes time age, and wisdom have a way of changing someone's perspective. I completely agree with you that he still has a lot of apologizing and work to do to make up for what he's done. Of course, maybe he's just trying to get us to lift his lifelong ban from the network. Your story about Tacoa was hilarious. I'm sure you realize that there are plenty of bans like that around here. Oddly enough, even Sadis has gained a reputation as being what your friends referred to as old person music just don't tell frida that while a lot of the newer songs resonate with people here the younger folks tend to listen to stuff that is more electronically generated and repetitive since i grew up on my mom's music i may be a little bit more attuned to listening to what they would call the classics now there's a great band based out of laar named pana that would fall into that category. They were really hot back in Mom's younger years and have since changed out quite a few members of the band, but they still have the same sound and even play a lot of the older songs. About 10 rotats ago, Javi and I actually went to see Pana live when they were on tour. It was great because they had just released a new album, and you could really tell how the audience reacted when each song came up who were the longtime fans, and who came into their music later on. You could see more than half of the audience stand up and start dancing and cheering when one of the older songs would start. Then when they would play a newer song, those people would sit down and a smaller group, mostly the younger crowd, would stand up and start cheering. It was great to see the divide in the audience. Shortly after you sent your message, I found even more of Takoa's music that was available here. I asked some friends at the radio labs and they were excited to share as long as I gave them copies of the stuff you had sent me. It's amazing how close they sound to the feel of Pana. I have already started adding it to the rotation of music played on any of the vessels I'm commanding. Mom, of course, had already heard of them and mentioned that Frida had introduced her to them in their conversations. I'm so proud of the girls for working on their swimming skills. Do you have any videos of them in the water? I know that we would all love to see them in action. I imagine that you're taking a lot of time right now to spend with them. Are you back home on Haimavina? I checked to see if there's anything in the way of vessels headed that way, but all I'm getting back is that based on the investigations of the past attempts, that no one thinks it would be a good idea to try anything from either side. If we can actually manage to get something soon headed that way, it would be nice to know that you were there. I know it's a long shot, and almost everyone I spoke with said we are still a ways off from making that flight, but I thought I could at least try and ask. Oh CJ, Aaron and I both wish I could be there for you during this time. Hold your fieldstone close and know that we are thinking of you constantly. May the waves guide you. Jason, 52.
1: Log Entry. Haimavina 82. 2387. Age of Enlightenment. Hey, Jason. Well, thank you for the distraction. (laughs) Everyone I run into doesn't seem to know what to say either. Which is fair, because for a while, I didn't know how to answer. I usually end up consoling them. And I'm sorry that you had to hear about Andy from Janine. I wanted to be the one to tell you, but... Actually, I had no idea she messaged you until I received your very nice message to Astra. She's still pretty little, but I think later on, she will appreciate what you said and know that even her Velen family was thinking about her. And I am thankful that you all celebrated Andy in a way that I know that he would have liked. <sighs> the funeral was about a year ago. I had Andy wrapped in his childhood blanket for his funeralship so he would always be protected on his journey. That day is still a blur. My mom sang and people hugged me But when our girls let go of the floating candles in the final ceremony, I felt like he died all over again. Afterwards, we all returned to the Vinstrasse compound, but I couldn't stay there very long. I kept waiting for Andy to walk through the door, laughing like he used to. Helgi and Juniper took me back to their place, where i have been staying, and I just climbed into the guest room bed. My parents must have brought the twins in, because they were snuggled around me when I woke the next morning. As I untangled myself from the twins, I noticed that Astra and Bjorn were asleep on the sofa in the room with us. She was asleep beside him, covered in a blanket that Janine had made for her. Apparently, she refused to leave his arms that evening. I picked Astra up and I put her on the bed with the twins. I don't remember how long I stood there looking at my babies, but eventually I heard the couch creak and I felt Bjorn's hand on my shoulder. He motioned for me to follow him, and we walked to the kitchen where Juniper and Helgi were making breakfast. When they saw me, sad smiles crossed their faces. I followed Bjorn outside onto the back patio. And he just looked at me. And then he pulled me into a tight hug. And I started to cry. It was the first time I cried since seeing Andy after the accident. Bjorn cried with me. And then he told me that I had three little girls who needed their mommy more than anything right now. And they were my first priority. I cried even harder, and he held me tighter. And I cried for my kids, for the life that I had lost, and the future that I would never have with Andy. Later that week, my legal team, my dad, and Grandma Iria Join me at Vinstrasse Plaza for the settling of Andy's will and trust. The advocates went through his estate and listed accounts and trusts and properties Andy and I own like they were a checklist. But all I heard was memories. The flat in Hopnina that he bought for us as a gift. Our flat in Brengard where we brought our girls home. And the piece of land we recently purchased on Viron so we could build our own house. We had trusts set up for the girls and Charities were sent large donations, and Andy left some personal items for friends and loved ones. His beloved Segbit, Solfogel, went to Max, and his ancient watch collection was split between Bjorn and Helgi. And then finally, we needed to discuss Hausfenstrasse. The chairman of the board asked if I had planned to honor Andy and the board's wishes for the corporation now that I was the majority owner of Hausfenstrasse. I had been waiting for this moment, and I was worried what the Vinstrasa family members would do. But Raythea spoke first and said, "Alora wanted this as well, and we will not fight my son's decision. I still remember when Andy told me that he had his advocate rewrite this part of his estate after he was voted in as head of house. Apparently, the Vinstrasa board had agreed unanimously. We cried that night because we hated that we needed to plan for death when our family was so full of life. Andy told me that if he had learned anything from our attacks, that it was that life was short, and we needed to prepare for anything. Aria stood with me, and I signed over my, um, Andy's, majority share to House News Park. Andy always admired Aria, and knew that she was the best person to continue Allura's legacy and protect his family's interests. After Iria signed her documents, she and Raythea shared hugs and tears. His great uncle Kolvar, who, as you know, is Alora's twin brother, also hugged Iria and then told me that Andy had given him his deepest wish: he could finally retire and play with all of his great-grandkids. The Ventrassa family trust retains a quarter of the shares, and their enormous fortune will only grow now that Iria is in charge. My family and I returned to Hymavina after that, and we moved back in with my parents at their place in Hafnina. It was good to have their support, and it made it easier for me to be strong for the girls. The twins have been good, but a little confused. For a while, Astra would wake up in the middle of the night and call out for her daddy, and all I could do was hold her, and we cried together. Everyone has been great at helping me with the girls, but we were all just so sad. Andy was part of our family for almost 25 years, and his death affected everyone. My parents said that they felt like they lost a child, and Kai said that he missed his big brother. My great-grandmother, Elle, who lost her husband at a young age, was a rock. And I know you and Aaron would have been there for us, too. I can even hear your mom calling me her little snowflake. But on the days that were the toughest... It was Mari who held us all together. She made sure everyone ate, and found ways to brighten everyone's day, and gave out hugs. She really helped us focus on everything that Andy brought into our lives, and it was what we all needed. The girls and I eventually got into a regular routine. I went back to work, and things got a little easier. I remember I was at my regular FICA with Mari and Heather, when I caught myself pleasantly listening and smiling at their stories. It was the first time I knew that it was going to be okay. I still struggled alone. Because the person that I would talk to about my feelings was no longer around. I often woke up in the middle of the night, and I would lie awake for hours. I've lost count of the number of times that I've gotten up and turned on my transmitter and tried to tell you what happened. But the words never seemed to come out right. Because if I said out loud to you, Andy is gone, then it would be real. Part of me clung to the knowledge that, while Janine's message traveled the distance between us, there was a world where Andy was still alive. Does that make sense? So instead, I started typing on my hand terminal when I couldn't sleep. I usually deleted the entire message because it was just me babbling. And then one night, I started writing to you everything I needed to talk about. I opened my heart, and I wrote about things that I couldn't even admit to myself. It was almost dawn when I deleted the message, and I put down my hand terminal. I basically wrote myself to sleep. A couple weeks later, I was sitting on Helgi and Juniper's dock, enjoying a crisp post morning, when I smelled the distinct aroma of warm apple cider. Someone sat beside me and said, I wonder what kind of variety of apple this is. It's really good. And I turned to see Bjorn sipping on a takeout cup with an easy smile on his face. I started to cry happy tears for a change, and we hugged. I was so happy and shocked to see him. He whispered in my ear, I got your message. I broke our embrace, and I looked at him, The confusion apparently obvious on my face, he showed me his hand terminal. Apparently, I didn't hit delete, but I hit send, and it auto populated my most recent contact. And then he wiped a tear from my face and said, I know, I've been there, and you don't have to go through this alone. I started to cry, and we hugged again. I could not believe Bjorn, who is so claustrophobic that he hates elevators. He made his first interstellar trip for me. He later told me that he was so drugged for the flight, he slept most of the way here. After I finished crying, he handed me the second takeout cup, and we chatted about what was in my message. I guess it was last week. We were on the back patio watching my girls play with bubbles out on the lawn with the Laurel and sisters. I mentioned to Bjorn that I liked it when some of the things we had in common were favorite Bjorn styles and music, not losing our spouses and having to raise three girls alone. Bjorn snorted at my tasteless joke, but he knows me well enough to know that it was my way of saying that I was doing better. Then Bjorn suggested that we finally get our mentor and protege, Hofleur. We had signed the house ledger at least a decade ago. We just never got around to inking the runes. He suggested it it might be good for us to celebrate something, and I agreed. Tradition dictates that the sacred partnership rune is inked on the inside of our right forearms, with two spaces left uncovered. On one side, your mentor's house runes are inked, and eventually, on the other side, your protege's house runes. Not every titled house member becomes a mentor or a protege, but Bjorn's complete set is a rarity. It marks him as a link between Elora Venstrasse and me. With luck, someday I will become another link in that chain. Afterwards, we went to my favorite brewery in Stromsheim, and reminisced about how we got here. We talked about the things that we have accomplished so far, and toasted ourselves. It was good to celebrate something, like friendship. Bjorn is still here, for which I am so grateful. He's currently in my apartment's living room with the girls watching a cartoon vid and making sure that I don't leave this office until I finally message you. I attached a video of the girls playing in the pool with Kai and Mari. The twins are mostly just splashing in the water on the sun deck. Astra shows off how she can jump in the pool all by herself with lots of coaxing from Kai. Astra started school a couple months ago and she loves it. Well, at age four, it's more like socializing on a playground with some hands-on learning and story time. It's been really good for her. And when I get home from the office, she likes to lay on my lap like Andy used to. She tells me all about the stories that she's learned. (laughs) In fact, there's another video of Astra using her plushie toys to explain to her uncle Jason and her auntie Erin how the Empress Hera and Lord Ivor met their woodland friends. But then the twins grab the toys, and Astra lectures them about being nice and sharing. I did manage to get them all to wave to you. Well, they're mostly just giggling and blushing. Raythea and Rhys have told me that Andy was exactly the same way with his brothers. It's adorable how many of Andy's mannerisms Astra picked up. And if you find that children's book, she would love to share it with her classmates. They're learning simple Velen words right now. So it's pretty cute when Astra calls the twins her chonas. Unfortunately, I had to take a leave from the trade delegation, as they're still meeting on Alondra. Daya has kept me in the loop regarding the next set around of negotiations, including which goods will be sent. Apparently, the scientific community is making their own recommendations. So tell your mom not to expect cases of that Rolana Vin she loves just yet. (laughs) Helgi told me that Hagen Industries won the trade contract for the ships that'll be sent to Tengen Station. He seemed fine with that, because the acquisition of Strauss's companies and contracts have been a huge undertaking for Park I'm sorry that you've had to deal with the Hausters. I guess that was inevitable. I would have loved to have seen their faces after Aaron yelled at them. <laughs> the paparazzi here pretty much leaves me alone these days. I would like to think it's out of respect, but... I think I'm just not a very interesting subject at the moment. It was actually great when I was out with Janine and her sister shopping for Janine's wedding dress. Oh, I just realized I haven't told you. Janine and Rune are engaged. Finally. (laughs) She proposed to him. Wait for it. On the observation deck on the top of the Asana Tower in Hapnina. (laughs) Yes, that crazy tourist trap with the bad food. (laughs) But how she asked him was really sweet. When Janine and Rune returned to the estate, they gathered everyone in the lounge to announce their engagement. And there was a beautiful moment watching Bjorn hug his daughter and welcoming Rune into their family. It touched me so deeply, because it was a little reminder that even when there's been tragedy, love is still all around, and there's so many things to keep celebrating. The wedding is going to be a huge event. At last count, the guest list was already over 500 people. (laughs) It'll be back on Veron next year, so that should be fun. As you can tell, the good days are coming more frequently. And I am really lucky to have such a supportive family and close friends across three systems. On my worst nights, when I can't sleep, I now focus on the last time that I saw Andy alive. And it calms my heart. He, Max, and the rest of the crew were laughing on the new segment as they pulled away from the dock. Before he jumped aboard, Andy picked me up like he always did, and I wrapped my legs around him, and he told me how much he loved me, and wanted to start trying to conceive another baby that night. He wanted to have another girl, and he hoped that she would look like me. I remember our last kiss, and watching him wave to me as they sailed off. And that's how I will always think of him, out with Linnea, sailing the starry skies, and watching over all of us. Well, I know Andy would want me to tell you to keep sailing and keep flying in hopes that one day you will get to meet his daughters. And he would also like to say thank you for seeing that he was truly a good person with a big heart that overflowed with love. I feel very blessed that I had him in my life for as long as I did. And I am grateful for him for giving me our girls, showing me his world, and just knowing him. (sighs) Love, always, CJ, age 52. You've been listening to an episode of The Binary Saga. The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. And the part of Jason is played by Steve Petricelli. Janine Laurelin is played by Sonnet Frisbee. Music by Eric Matias and SoundImage.org.
0: Thank you to our Patreon members, Rob and Mary Carnahan and Samantha. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website. We have multiple levels of support, with a lot of fun, special features like transcripts and photos. Or if you just want to donate to our CAFE, BURE, or CIDRIS funds, it is always appreciated. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with at TheBinarySaga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on Discord for general chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. You can also read the print version of the entire first and second season in Kindle or paperback on Amazon. Print versions include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga.